The following podcast is a She Did It and SydneyNanberg.com production. Welcome back to the She Did It podcast. My name is Sydney Nanberg and I am the creator and founder of She Did It and SydneyNanberg.com, your self-care and wellness resource with a twist, of course. My intention is to share valuable information, tips and tricks to help you live a fulfilling life. I want you to come here looking for inspiration and leave with the tools you need to take on whatever it is you are going after. And I also want to thank you so much again for tuning in. If you haven't already, please hit that subscribe button and never miss an episode. Guys, this is all free and valuable content coming your way two times a week. And I'd really, really also appreciate your feedback. So go ahead and leave a review. If you are finding these episodes helpful, I would be so grateful. Even a quick thank you would totally make my day and let me know that you're enjoying this content. So let's talk about today's episode. Today we are talking all things sex and relationships, a hot topic and a steamy episode filled with answers to all of your questions. And it wouldn't be a valuable episode without an expert's opinion, right? Joining me today is Dr. Lauren Fogel-Mercy, psychologist and certified sex therapist. She specializes in sex and relationship therapy and practices in Minnesota. So without further ado, let's dive in. Before we dive in, I want to talk about this amazing brand that I came across called Plus One. What an incredible group of women trying to encourage other women to indulge in a little self-love. So thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. I truly, truly love and admire this brand. Plus One is on a mission to empower women to embrace their sexual wellness, and I'm all for it. Guys, Plus One is the first ever brand to make high quality sexual wellness devices and products available at stores like Target and Walmart. And honestly, sexual wellness can help you live a healthier life. It can increase dopamine, reduce stress, improve your sleep. It's also an act of self-love. It can help you to learn to love yourself and help with future relationships. I want to help make sex not such a taboo topic, which is really what I admire so much about Plus One. The truth is that there's nothing wrong with talking about it and giving into our sexual wellness. Masturbation with sexual wellness devices can also be a great conversation starter in the bedroom to help you and your partner communicate your needs. So join me and Plus One on this mission and let's empower each other to talk about the importance of our sexual wellness. Go check out Plus One at your local Target or Walmart. Products are under $30. Amazing, right? Hey, Dr. Lauren, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. So I actually came across your page like we talked about on Instagram not too long ago, and I'll actually link it in the podcast notes. And I was so impressed by how open you were with this topic that I had to reach out to you. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad that you found me and and happy to be here. Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I feel like relationship I'm not relationships but sex is such a taboo topic right and I love how you break it down because it's human nature and everyone has questions you know and I want to make this topic not so taboo and more empowering right so I just love to start out by having you introduce yourself tell us about what you do and how you got into the industry before we dive into all of the questions sure yeah Um, I wish that it wasn't such a taboo subject, but here we are, and it still is, and so um, 
unfortunately, unfortunately, that's some job security for me. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so um, I'm a psychologist and I'm also um, a certified sex therapist. And um, I've been uh, practicing in sex therapy since 2012. So uh, coming up on maybe seven or eight years. And uh, my background is uh, in psychology. I went to graduate school and studied that, got a doctorate in psychology, um, and then came here to Minnesota uh, to study at the University of Minnesota. There's a a program uh, called the Program in Human Sexuality. And so that's where I did my training and have been working in this area ever since. And why did you decide to get into the sex aspect of psychology? I know, you know, I get asked that question a lot (laughs) and I wish I had some brilliant answer. Uh, It seems that this is an area that comes to me more naturally than maybe some of my peers from graduate training. That, okay. you know, for some folks, sex feels like a taboo and feels uncomfortable. And for me, I never experienced that. I find it fascinating and interesting and I want to know more. And so I've always been sort of inquisitive and curious. And so when I saw that that stood out among my peers, it sort of seemed like a, a logical next step. Right. Like it was your direction and your path. Mm-hmm, exactly. So a lot of my listeners are in relationships, a lot are single. So I feel like they could really benefit from your advice. And I was thinking that we could chat about relationships, some of the biggest questions people tend to have, and then answer some of the questions from the singles out there surrounding sex and relationships. So I guess we can start off. I want to know, what do you notice is the biggest issue that couples face in the bedroom? I would say the number one complaint would be that uh, they each have different needs around sex, whether mm-hmm. it's what they're doing with sex or the frequency of sex. Uh, in, in my business, we call that a desire discrepancy. And it's pretty common because it's inevitable that, you know, two people are going to have some differences in terms of what sex looks like ideally for each of them. Right. And so how do you go about that? Like, how do you communicate? I know, you know, you could read online and everything, you know, just communicate to your partner. But how do you effectively communicate what you want so that you can improve your sex life and resolve that issue? Because I feel like I've heard from a lot of friends in relationships and other people that, you know, if you have these differences and then you communicate it, sometimes it doesn't change. So what do you do to resolve that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's a point to that, that sometimes it doesn't change, meaning that um, either person may not get their uh, ideal uh, needs met or have their ideal scenario uh, at the end of the day. Uh, And that's sort of where compromise comes in. And sometimes we can get a bit closer to our ideal, but maybe not exact. And that would be really normal. And a lot of people are in that boat. The thing that I recommend is to start by having a conversation when your clothes are on, when you're not in the moment, uh, Mm -hmm. so that it's not as maybe vulnerable or intimidating, you know, sit on a couch or sit at the table and uh, have a chat 
with your partner about, you know, how are you feeling about our sex life? What are some things that you like about it? Are there some things that you would change? What would your ideal look like? And, you know, depending on what that person says, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be what you end up doing, but it could be just to start exploring you know, what would they say? Do you know what they would say? It's just kind of having a dialogue about it. And, and making sure that you probably come across in a way that doesn't make them defensive, because I feel like that could be a really sensitive topic to discuss, because you never want to make anyone feel bad. And they also have to respect your feelings at the end of the day, too, right? Absolutely. Yeah, we have a saying, and I wish I knew who created the saying, because it's so great, (laughs) which is don't yuck my yum. And that basically (laughs) just means that, you know, to each their own and you might be into something and your partner may not and that's okay. And some people just, you know, uh, manage that through their own fantasies or masturbation. Some people will figure out something that they can do together with their partner if there's something that they're both willing to try. Um, But, you know, having the dialogue is just kind of laying the cards on the table and seeing what you have and then taking it from there. That makes sense. So it's healthy. It's not, not normal for that to happen in a relationship, basically. No, I would say it's more normal than not, you know, two different people, two different ideas. And so, you know, something in the middle, uh, hopefully that's something that can be worked out. But again, it may not be solvable in a way that everybody gets exactly what they want, but hopefully a little bit closer to what they would like. Yeah. So the, actually a lot of people have asked because I did a little poll on Instagram, like, is it normal if people, you know, if your sex life isn't great, but you know, you love the person, like, is it normal that you're not always on the same page when it comes to sex? Does that mean that it's not a good relationship? So a lot of those questions came through And so to hear you say that it is normal, I mean, it's two different people that makes complete sense. Yeah, absolutely. And having um, some challenges with sex, whether that's, you know, not having as much interest in it or having differences around what it looks like is not necessarily indicative that the relationship has a problem. It, It could be a problem. It could also not be a problem. So I think they're sort of independent variables. Okay. And I think that's interesting and like a good way to look at it. Yeah. My next question for you is a lot of people are in long distance relationships or for me personally, my boyfriend travels every other week. So what would you suggest to people who are in those kinds of relationships, how to stay connected? Um, it just as like a relationship and, you know, in turn, like, and sexually as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is a common scenario for a lot of people. And I think um, it comes down to building in some rituals that uh, I follow the Gottman method for uh, a lot of the couples work that I do. And and that's based on doctors, John and Julie Gottman's work. Um, And they are at the the forefront of couples therapy and research in the United States. And Mm -hmm. uh, so they talk a lot about rituals for connection And rituals can be anything from the way that the two of you wake up in the morning to how you uh, celebrate holidays, how you spend your weekends. We have all these rituals that we've developed. And so uh, we can be really intentional with developing rituals, even from a distance. So it could be that 
you know, every evening before going to bed, you hop on the phone and talk about your days and, um, you know, go to bed that way. Or it could be that you get into, you know, being sexual on um, like a video and doing some sexting or, or something like that so that you can still maintain some sexuality that way. Um, one other thing that um, I really encourage couples to do, and it's something that they can do whether they're together or apart, is uh, having like a weekly meeting. Uh, and this mm-hmm. comes from the Gottman method. Uh, having a weekly meeting just to talk about the relationship and how it's going and to address any issues or concerns or conflicts. And so, mm-hmm. you know, ideally that's in person, but if that's not possible, it's okay to do that, um, you know, maybe on FaceTime or Skype or video. Yeah. And I actually have a friend and maybe this is where she got it from. I actually have a friend who does that in her relationship every week. They kind of evaluate and make sure that everybody's happy that, you know, the both of them are happy and, they they don't they're not in a long distance relationship or anything but it's interesting that you say that because i feel like it can be powerful to do that because that way you see where the other person stands and it opens the door to the doors to better communication and i i actually i actually like that i think that's really good advice for a lot of people out there just to always make sure you're on the same page yeah and um you know, that's, that's something that we use for couples who are not in a long distance situation. And uh, mm-hmm. I think, you know, can easily be adapted into uh, a distance situation with our modern technology and our phones. It's really not that difficult. Um, and it's also an opportunity that, you know, if you're not on the same page to either get on the same page or right. to acknowledge that there's something that's, you know, difficult to navigate and to spend some time talking about it now I actually had a question for you about like when is the right time to pull when is there a right time to pull a plug on a relationship but before that I you brought up sexting for long distance relationships um do you feel that that intimacy is important in a relationship like that in a long distance relationship do you think it has it's important to do or do you think it really just depends on the person yeah, I really think it depends on the couple. And uh, if it's important to one person, then it's important to the relationship. And right. again, it sort of becomes a negotiation then of, you know, what are you willing to do? What am I willing to do? What could that look like? And what could you be comfortable with? Right, because a lot of people are really uncomfortable when it comes to sexting or even video chat, um, you know, doing yeah. things over video chat. I feel like a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. But then, you know, I actually have another friend who was in a relationship like that. It, w- it wasn't long distance, but whenever they were apart, he would always ask like, oh, can you send me a video? But she was kind of uncomfortable doing it. And I feel like, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't think it means that the other person is being disrespectful or that it's un- unhealthy. I think it's, you know, kind of what works for you, right? Exactly. Yeah. You, I mean, there has to be some trust if there's exchanging of, you know, photos or videos that could be shared um, and it has to be something that you're, you know, willing to do and to compromise, but you know, there's other ways to do that too. There's a really fun app that um, I learned about at a conference a few years ago. It's called in the mood. Um, And 
I just want to jump in quickly and tell you what I love most about Plus One. They are all about empowering women to embrace their sexual wellness. They aren't holding back and they are making sexual wellness not so taboo, which I'm about. I'm all about self-care and indulging in yourself because that is how we become the best versions of ourselves, right? It's okay to put ourselves first. It's okay to take care of our sexual needs. There's nothing wrong with it. And I have to tell you that their products are amazing and can be super fun if you're in a relationship or single. I'm also all about packaging. And when you see these products in stores, you don't have to feel embarrassed because they don't look promiscuous and aren't just out in the open, right? So go head over to your local Target or Walmart and pick up one of Plus One's products. They're super affordable, under $30, and let's keep empowering together. So the app was designed as a way for couples to also have the experience that some folks who are out uh, in the dating world are having, which is uh, a separate space or a forum to flirt and to have fun and to sex and to invite each other out on dates, whether they're uh, sexual dates or whether it's just going and doing something for emotional connection. So uh, I really like that app. And as far as I know, it's still free and it's a really great resource for couples. I love that because it's different because, you know, everybody's in their routine of calling each other or texting each other or whatever it is, but to do something different where you're actually on an app it just makes it a little bit more exciting, I feel like. Is, is that the purpose and why it was created? Yeah, I think it does kind of add something a little bit different than the day-to-day. And, you know, what also makes it different is if you're using, you know, the phone and texting for all these other areas of life, like, hey, can you pick up milk at the grocery store or something to do right. with the family or the kids or work, this is a standalone place to really just flirt and, and talk one-to-one as a couple. I love that. I think it's different. I've never heard of it, but it's definitely something that I feel like we should give a try. And, you know, anyone else who might be in a long distance relationship or with someone who travels, it's just something different to keep everything fresh and exciting. Yeah, exactly. So it's just for, you know, uh, the couple and it's just to talk about intimate things or or, uh, things related to the two of you. Interesting. So I want to go back to the other question because it kind of went along with what we were talking about before with respecting each with respecting what each other wants and um, you know, the issues and that couples face in the bedroom and just in relationships in general. So when do you think it's time to pull the plug on a relationship? Like when might it not be healthy? This is probably one of the hardest questions to answer and one that I get asked pretty frequently and (laughs) Unfortunately, there's no one size that tends to fit all. Um, I can say, however, that, you know, there are uh, commonly going to be issues in a relationship that are just perpetual over time. In fact, the the research seems to suggest that like almost 70% of the time, the things that Mm -hmm. are not aligning in a relationship are things that are never going to go away because they're rooted in to, again, sort of different people, different values, different personalities, and different needs. And that is going to be true in any relationship, regardless of who you choose to be with. So while that can sound like a really, you know, um, daunting statistic, I actually find a lot of comfort in it. um, Because it means that no matter who you're with, you're always two different people, and there's always going to be some differences. 
So it's not really about trying to find a relationship with no differences because good luck. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. (laughs) And it's also not about trying to make your partner different or to resolve all the problems because often that is not something that we can do. It just means that whatever problems you have, you have to be willing to sign up for them for long term. So if it's, you know, financial issues, if it's sexual issues, if it's, you know, you can't stand this in-law, is it something that you feel like you could learn to manage for the long haul? Because if there's something there that you don't feel like you could live with long-term, that might then be the sign that it's not going to work. Because it's not going to go away. It's going to most likely remain the same. Exactly. Exactly. Well, especially if it's an in-law or someone, something permanent like that. I mean, that's not going away. Right. If you're an extrovert and your partner's an introvert, like that's not likely to just change. So, you know, can you negotiate? Sometimes we stay in, sometimes we go out. Here's what I need. Here's what you need. Right. But overall, it's not going to be like this whole different person one day. Right. That you can't, you can't have high expectations. I feel like when you go into a relationship, you go into the relationship because you fall in love with them. You can't go into it expecting, you know, wanting them to change. You know, there's certain things I think that we can all improve on in our life and in our relationship and within ourselves to make our relationship even better. But then when it comes to wanting to change somebody, I feel like that's when it's toxic. And in in my mind, I think, okay, that's when it's time to pull the plug. When you're trying to change someone because it's something that you can't live with. So exactly what you're saying. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's something I you know, you can you can go to therapy and obviously I'm a proponent of therapy. I like therapy. Right. And and you can learn how to you know, communicate a little bit differently. You can learn about some skills. You can, you know, you can try some different things, but you can't fully change who you are and become someone else just for a partner. So that's sort of the thing I think to keep in mind or to consider when you're looking at the longevity of a relationship is the the conflicts that we have now and the the differences that we have now are those things that I can live with if they continue long-term. Right. I think that's something really important for people to keep in mind. I I have some friends who are going into relationships right now and they have some serious communication issues. And I feel like, you know, communication and trust are, that's the foundation of a a healthy relationship. And I don't know, what, what are your thoughts on communication and relationships? Like where, where is there, when is someone crossing the line? When it, like when, I don't know how to put this, but what is good? What does good communication look like in a relationship? Yeah, you know, I think I'm asking for my friend. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, um, yeah. This is uh, a, such a common question and issue, and and I think sometimes um, communication is given a bit too much of the spotlight in terms of like all you need is good communication, and that's you know everything yeah. going to be fine, and that's all you need. Um, right. That is certainly not true. Good communication is not enough in and of itself. However, right. it's really an important component of a relationship. Um, and again, it sort of depends on the needs of the individuals. So um, I'm someone who makes a living through communication. And so it's something right. that I highly value. And so when I was seeking out a partner, it was something that was pretty high on my list. 
Um, I think, you know, it's okay to be with somebody who struggles in this area. I'd say most people are not proficient because nobody ever took a class in, you know, elementary school about how to have relationship communication communication. 101. (laughs) Like, you know, and if they did learn communication, it was in other contexts. It's very rare that we've been taught how to communicate in the context of a relationship. That's so So, true. Yeah, you have to have respect for the other person. And under and when you're communicating with them, I feel like you have to understand, you know, how they communicate in order to better improve communication if that makes sense like you know respect each other's needs and what they want like you know texting today is such a big deal and a lot of times people get upset when others don't text them back or you know they go a long time without calling them and this is the situation that my friend is is dealing with right now and it's like when when are when is it going too far like when is is it disrespectful when is it um you know not healthy Yeah. I mean, I I think that the most important thing is, is somebody open to feedback? So if I tell you that the way that you bring up that issue to me is hurtful to me, it's, it's, it's not helpful to me. Are you willing to hear that? Are you willing to look at that? Are you willing to go seek out, uh, you know, new skills or new information Mm -hmm. to try that a bit differently? If, you know, there's some validity to that, which, you know, let's give benefit of the doubt and say that there is. Right. Um, and also, I think it's up to us to sometimes be really specific about what we need. So uh, in the example that you used with texting, and maybe it's not as frequent or uh, right. not getting back to me for a while or whatever it is, you know, if, if I'm on the receiving end of that, I can first start by saying, hey, you know, here's kind of how I look at this, here's what feels good to me, here's what my ideal would look like. What what do you think about this? What are you, you know, interested in doing? What would you be willing to do? And and again some negotiation around that if it's about sort of how often we text or or uh, you know, how quickly mm-hmm. you respond, things like that. Yeah, you know, I feel like people are also afraid to bring it up and are afraid to communicate and don't know how to communicate effectively to actually get the answers that they're looking for, whether it's what they want to hear or what they don't want to hear. So I feel like that's very, very good advice. It's very practical and easy for people to use in these situations. So for my friends who are listening to this, um, I feel like that was really great advice that they could definitely take. So I had mentioned actually in the intro that this was also going to be a bit of a steamy episode. So (laughs) let's talk about what people really want to hear from an expert. So speaking of relationships and sex, how, what do you suggest? How can people spice it up in the bedroom and what are your tips for keeping your sex life alive in a relationship? So another common question (laughs) and actually um, potentially a surprising answer uh, because If you think about it, you know, how spicy do we have to get to keep things interesting? Right. If you're with someone for 30 years, I mean, wow, are you like swinging from the ceiling at that point? Right. What what is that supposed to look like? Right. Um, And and what's interesting is that, you know, we think that to keep things, um, you know, passionate or uh, fun in the bedroom, that we have to do crazy things in the bedroom. 
Right. Um, but what we're also realizing is that the things that we're doing throughout the day, you know, the non-sexual relationship has uh, an impact on the sexual relationship. And so just, you know, going on dates and trying new things and, um, you know, sort of almost like dating each other again, go to a different restaurant, take a cooking class, doing things that are novel or different or interesting with your partner. Yeah. Switching up the routine in a non-sexual context can actually really help sexually. That's interesting. I think that's a really good way of looking at it because I feel like a lot of people in relationships either get bored or my boyfriend's friend actually made a comment. He's dating this girl and he doesn't understand how can you be with the same person, you know, for so long and don't you get bored of having sex with the same person? And I feel like the truth is that it's not just about the sex. It's also about what you do outside of it, like what you're saying. And I feel like that's a really good way of looking at it, that just switching up what you do, going to a different restaurant or you know, anything that changes your routine can make a difference and make things more exciting. I feel like that's kind of what it comes down to. Exactly. And, you know, sure, it's fun to sometimes try some different things, but it doesn't have to get, you know, all, you know, crazy. Crazy. And it doesn't have to, because I mean, just even thinking about that long term, like, what would that even look like? I know, that's a bit much. (laughs) You know, it feels, yeah, it feels like a lot to people. It's like, well, how, you know, how much do we have to do? And and what are we going to do in 10 years? So um, I think it, you know, it's nice to know that it doesn't all have to be in the bedroom to affect the sexual relationship. Right. I think that's really good advice. And so before we talk about sex even more, I want to let all the listeners know that a lot of these questions that I'm about to ask you came from DMs and friends. So a lot of people actually had really similar questions. So we're going to stick to a few of the key questions and hopefully the audience will find some clarity within these answers. Um, Great. I'm personally a millennial. I've been in a relationship for five years, but most of my friends are single and they're going through this thing where guys don't want to commit and they are so hesitant in every step that they take, like with communication, like we spoke about before. I mean, they're afraid to say anything. And, you know, the other thing that they're afraid of is, you know, when is it the right time to have sex? And after they do, they start to wonder about everything and anything and they're constantly just worrying and that can affect their self-worth I've noticed so I want to dive in and go through a few of their questions um one of them asked what does it mean to be good at sex yeah I uh I actually posted something about this because I think what our culture or the messages that we've received around what it means to be good versus Mm -hmm. what I hear constantly in my office are really different um okay And so it's so interesting that often folks are focused on, you know, was there penetration? Did, you know, one or two people have an orgasm? You know, how loud was it? How long was it? And these are the things that they look for as markers, that if it's louder and longer and, you know, super orgasmic, that that's the measure of something fabulous. And certainly that can be. Um, But, you know, for so many people, it's, you know, their bodies are different, different things work for different people. And it also depends on what they're in it for. Are they in it for, you know, the most powerful orgasm? Are they in it to just feel someone else next to them to feel intimacy to feel wanted? 
it can look like so many different things. And so I think the marker that seems to be across the board in terms of what people say they really want and what would be a measure of good is somebody who asks them what they like, asks them, you know, what they want, um, is open to feedback and uh, somebody who's flexible. So, you know what, if it doesn't lead to an orgasm or if it doesn't involve penetration, that that's okay, that that doesn't have to be a big letdown. That is, that's very valuable information. I think you totally nailed that question um, because so many people really do ask this. And I did see your post on this and I thought that it was very insightful because a lot of people think, oh, you know, I just, I had really good sex with this person. So like, maybe there's something there, but this other person I really like, but like the sex isn't as good. Does that not, does that mean it's not meant to be, you know, there's all this confusion around that. And that kind of goes into my next question, which is, do you think that having good sex with someone means that there's a deeper connection or is it just, or not? Yeah. I think with this one, it could also be, it could go either way. Um, for some people, they have great sex with someone that they're also really intimately connected to and someone right. that they care deeply about. Um, and for some of us, it could be, that the, you know, most passionate and amazing sex physically is with someone that is more of a, a stranger or somebody you don't know as well, where there's the novelty and the mystery. So it's, it really comes down to, you know, what you're looking for when you look at sex, like you said, like, are you like, it, it comes down to that, like how you how people view what good sex is or not. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what it sounds like, right? Yeah. What we know is that for a lot of women, when they have sex uh, either as a hookup or in a casual encounter or maybe even just the first few times with a new partner, um, many of them are not having orgasms from the sex that they're having. So if that mm -hmm. would be the measure of good sex, then a lot of women are not having that kind of sex. Now, it's important to attend to both people's pleasure and orgasms are great. Um, but, right. but maybe that person is interested in just having uh, someone to, you know, hold her and to be close and to feel desired. And so maybe that's the measure of good sex. Right. Because that, and that's also just as intimate, just in a different way. Right. So another, another question that someone asked, um, they wanted to know what the signs are that someone is into you after sex or not. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it is similar to the signs of whether someone's into you or not in general, in general. Yeah. In general. <laughs> um, it, it, the funny thing is, I, I think I read something that was uh, alluding to the idea that like when someone's into you, you know, right. And then pretty much everything else is like a no. <laughs> right. So, you know, when someone is showing interest in you, calling you, asking you questions, asking when they can see you again, those are pretty good signs that someone is interested in you. Right. And I feel like so many people wonder, it's, it's almost like a lot of, I don't know if it's this generation or just people in general, but, or, or a lot of women, but afterwards they tend to doubt themselves and base their self-worth, like I said, off of this. And so I got a lot of questions asking, you know, how do you, know, which I'm sure this is so common for you too, that you hear this all the time. How do you know if someone is into you after sex or not, or just in general? And to me, I believe 
you should never have to wonder. That's what my mom always told me. You should never have to wonder. And it should be, you know, kind of obvious, you know, if they're not contacting you or if they're contacting you at a certain time each night, you know, you, you kind of know what it is, right? I think the real answer that a lot of people uh, may feel is kind of hard to hear is that maybe you really do know, but right. you don't like what you're finding. You want, so you want right. the person to be into you. The signs are not pointing to that. And so you're left sort of wondering and trying to put together pieces to try to make the puzzle fit. And it's just, you know, that it's not there. So how do you get past that? And how do you start to respect your, I, I don't know if respect is the right word, but, you know, love yourself more to realize that even if it's not the answer that you want to hear. Yeah, I mean, I think that one thing that people can consider is maybe not investing a lot of time in those type of relationships if they end up being uh, hurtful or disappointing. So, you know, if you do have sex with someone and then they're not showing a lot of interest and maybe it's just, you know, texting here and there and you're not really getting back what you need or want that might be a sign to, to let that person know that, you know what, this is really not what I was expecting or this is not working for me. Yeah. And I know how simple of a question that this is. And to me, you know, as someone who's in a relationship and as someone who's also dated, like I, I know how obvious that answer is and how kind of generic that question is, but it's something that so many people are dealing with and to hear it from, you know, an actual doctor and therapist who specializes in this maybe might be a wake-up call for some people so that they can go and move on with their life and and find what's really good for them well I think it goes back to the whole going into it hoping that something will change yeah you know they're true we had sex they're not really showing much interest I haven't heard much from them but maybe somehow someday something will click and they'll realize that they want something like what I want, you know? Yeah. It all kind of ties together. You kind of go into it with these expectations. And then when they're not met, you try to kind of pull the pieces together. And if it's not happening, then you start to feel bad about yourself. And so, yeah, you're right. It all kind of goes together. And, and I think it's, for me, self-care is extremely important. So it's important to, you know, be able to acknowledge and see and be aware and mindful of what's actually happening and take that step back and lower your standards when you go into these relationships, not standards of the person and what you deserve, but, you know, I guess just your expectations of the relationship. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, knowing what your boundaries are, what your needs are. And, and again, you know, nobody gets their ideal with everything, but having some lines or some limits that, you know, Hey, you know, if I'm getting to know someone and then we get sexual and then they disappear, that's a boundary for me. That's a red flag. That's a bad sign. I, I, that's not even a red flag. That's like a really bad sign yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say that, you know, again, it depends on what you're looking for. If it's really casual and you're not that emotionally attached right. to it, maybe that's fine. But if you were hoping for something different and that's what you're getting, then what you're getting is... Uh, indicative of what you're getting, that this is what this person is offering to you. Right. I completely agree. So I want to go over a couple more questions from DMs that I got. So we'll keep it kind of short and to the point. Sure. Um, 
So one, a lot of women get super insecure about men masturbating, whether they're in a relationship or whether they're single or, you know, they just, a lot of women are uncomfortable with it. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, this is something I see a lot. And what's interesting is that um, I think that the research uh, and some of the writing that's out there really describes this as a heterosexual couples issue that queer couples do not seem to have this kind of an issue uh, Mm -hmm. for the most part. Uh, So this really seems to be a dynamic that we see between male, female couples. Okay. Um, And, you know, the times where it's usually the female partner who has the issue with the male partner's use of porn. Uh, And interestingly, a lot of women are looking at porn. So it's not just like porn is for men. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of women who are also users of porn. Um, But the times where it seems to come up as an issue is usually related to other things. It's not so much the porn itself. It's a couple of scenarios that I see as themes that keep coming up over and over, uh, Mm -hmm. whether it's... um, it based on a religious belief that it's immoral or sinful, then, mm-hmm. you know, that can really trigger uh, a conflict for that woman. Um, mm-hmm. It can feel uh, threatening to the relationship if, uh, if let's say you feel like, you know what, my male partner keeps turning to porn, but we're not intimate. And so I feel like he's turning away from me and we're right. not having the intimacy that I need then it can feel threatening to the relationship because it feels like he's choosing something else over the relationship. Right. So that's another scenario. And then, um, you know, body image is also something that comes up a lot for women um, Mm -hmm. because so much of uh, the, you know, pressure is on women to look a certain way and with diet culture and so for a lot of women, Photoshop, it can, yeah, photo editing, video editing, right. <laughs> so for a lot of women, it kind of triggers or provokes some body image stuff. Like what if he's, you know, attracted to somebody and I can never look like that. And does that mean that he's not really attracted to me? And so it can become right. sort of a, a, a conflict in that respect. So those are some of the themes that tend to come up. Um, but, you know, masturbation is normal. Most people are doing it. Um, A lot of people are uh, doing it with pornography. And for the majority of couples, it's not a problem. So you think, so it's totally healthy and it's not a big deal because I know people get insecure, but really personally, I feel like there isn't a reason to be insecure about it, but I know that you, you touched on a lot of the most common things that I hear also from, you know, friends or DMS like that. I just got, you know, today asking about this Yeah, and, um, I I think it is normal. And I think that we, it's not personal. Yeah. I would say it's not a problem unless it's a problem and whatever that problem is, is what I would recommend focusing more on. It's not necessarily the porn. It's, Hey, it makes me feel bad about my body. Let's talk about that. Or, Hey, you know, I have some religious beliefs that conflict with this. Let's talk about that. So kind of deal with the things that are surrounding it rather than you know, trying to monitor the porn itself. So it, it all goes back to communication. Yeah, it really does. Everything goes back to communication. Oh, man. <laughs> communication is a big one, especially these days with social media and people, I mean, at least in my generation and other generations, it's just like they don't, people are afraid. They don't know 
what to say. They're, they just don't know how to communicate. And I feel like just being super direct and honest with how you feel is the best way to go about these issues. It really is. It's so funny how many times someone's in my office saying, how do I tell my partner, insert whatever sentence that they want to share, and right. I say, well, how about you just do what you just did? Yeah, Just exactly. say it like that. Say what you mean. Say what you're asking. And one of the coolest things that I like to use with communication is meta-communication. Meta okay. is like, oh gosh, let me think of how to define that. But sort of going above and beyond just communicating about the thing that you're trying to say. It's also giving a little bit of uh, the behind the scenes. So for example, if talking about sex is really uh, vulnerable or intimidating, or you're not sure if it's going to be, uh, you know, something that your partner is willing to talk about, start by talking about that. Hey, I want to talk to you about our sex life, but I don't know if that's something that you're open to talking about. And I feel really awkward bringing this up. Can we talk about it? It's just being totally honest yeah. and putting it out there yeah. and so that the other person's not defensive either or feel you're, it's being honest. Right. I, so another question that is no one asked this, but why do you think sex is such a taboo topic? Like within the United States, I've noticed my boyfriend's family is from Spain. And when I go over there or they come here, they are just so open about everything. They don't care. Even if it's within family, they'll just say whatever. Why here? Why do we, why is it such a taboo topic? It's taboo because we don't talk about it openly. Yeah. So the more that we censor something, uh, the more it becomes sort of this hidden secret. So, I mean, sex is something that majority of people do at some point. It's how most of us got here. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and it's really healthy and beautiful and lovely. And yet most of the messages that we receive are either none at all or to not talk about it or something with a negative, you know, overtone to it. So, um, you know, that's what keeps it taboo. So, you know, by not having, uh, you know, comprehensive sex education, by parents not having talks with their children about sex, by not right. making it an open discussion, it keeps right. it, you know, sort of in, in the closet or behind the scenes and people are sort of left to figure it out on their own. And then, you know, that can cause all kinds of difficulties. And I really love what you're doing with your Instagram page, too. And you're just kind of putting it out there. Um, like I said, I'll tag everything in the podcast notes. But it's important to bring up these topics. And I think it's great that we're talking about this now because maybe it will inspire or empower people to be more open and talk about it. And that it's just human nature and nothing, you know, for people to be. I think a lot of people feel shame. Yes. Of, and that's like that's a big problem because it's it's normal. Like you said, it's healthy. There's nothing wrong with it. There's a lot of shame attached to sex and yeah. it comes from, you know, whatever messages we've been taught or, or, you know, early childhood experiences. And so if that's something that you've struggled with, you know, the best way to work on that is to immerse yourself in something different. So something that's more sex positive. So Right. You know, following sex educators on social media, uh, watching, you know, shows like on Netflix. They have a, a show called Sex Education. It's delight, I, delightful. Amazing. Yeah. That was so funny. Yeah. I am really hoping that they come out with another season. We just finished it. It was 
so good. Yeah. You know, things like that or, (laughs) or, um, purchasing books for yourself or for your kids or uh, about, you know, sexuality, sexual health, all of those things help to undo some of the messages that sex is dirty or shameful or bad. Yeah. And it's not. No. So, well, Speaking of taboo topics, I want to end this with a question. The last DM that I actually just got, I thought this was a good one. And I want to hear your opinion on it because a lot of people, whether you're in a relationship or not in a relationship, talk about it, want to know about it. And so I feel like this is a great way to end this. What, what's your take on threesomes? Oh gosh. What is my take on threesomes? <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like some people get super insecure about it. If they're in a relationship, some people are, are all for it. And I feel like, you know, exploring different things. It's, I mean, everybody has their own, I don't know. Yeah. You know, the, the thing, thing I would but... say for that is, you know, it can absolutely be part of sexual health. Um, and it can be a really fun thing to do, um, if you're the, you know, single person or the couple or just three single people, however you want to set it up. I'd say the most important things are, you know, communication and boundaries, right? Because if, if again, if you're, you know, not everybody's on the same page or you haven't communicating, communicated what's comfortable or where your limits are, it could potentially be a disaster, Uh, Oh, for sure. But if you communicate really, you know, openly and honestly, and you set up some parameters or boundaries and an understanding, it can be a lot of fun. I think that's good insight. I feel like that, you know, it all goes back to communication. It really does, doesn't it? I mean, it really depends on the couple or the person and who's if you're single. And, you know, as long as you're communicating and you're very clear and specific on, you know, what you want, whether you want that or not, then, you know, it's fine. But if someone's not open to it, that can totally, you know, make or break, it could lead to a disaster. So right. that's very good insight. And, you know, this has been such a great episode. So insightful. I am so thankful to have had you on the She Did It podcast. I know so many people will find value in this. And a lot of people are just uncomfortable talking about this topic and asking the questions. So, I asked and hopefully they will tune in and get the answers they need guys. If you have to, if you, I'm sorry, guys, you have to go follow Dr. Lauren Fogel mercy on Instagram. I will link her IG handle in the podcast notes. She does have a new handle because she just got married. Congratulations. Thank you. Also, if you want to schedule an appointment with her, you can find uh, Dr. Lauren Fogel Mercy on Google. Just search her name. So thank you so much again for being on this episode. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. All right. All right. So guys, I appreciate all of you. Please leave a review if you found this helpful and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of the She Did It podcast and I will see you next time.